Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you. I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports. Today is Saturday, July 7th. Thank you so much for tuning in. Oh, I'm excited. I'm really excited. So yesterday, by the way, a little update. Got into Montana State University. Very, very excited. And I will be transferring, most likely, from Washington State to Montana State. Excited. It's going to be cold. going to be fun. Um, I have a great show for you guys today. We are going to talk about Kawhi Leonard. I'm going to finally weigh in. I, I have a lot to say. I'm going to talk about whether or not the Lakers should trade for Kawhi Leonard. I think they should. And I'm going to lay my case for why the Lakers should trade for Kawhi Leonard. I'm also going to talk about the narrative that, you know, p- people are concerned with Kawhi Leonard. Is Kawhi Leonard a diva? Mm, we'll talk about it. I think there's an interesting debate there. I'm also going to talk down the road about Trey Young. People are ready to jump ship on Trey Young. The narrative for a long time on Trey Young has been Trey Young is the next Steph Curry. And I, I'm, I'm doubtful of that, but I think the answer is more complicated than you realize uh, to that question. We'll talk about Carmelo Anthony. I'm going to talk about the Portland Major League Baseball team, the possibility of that and kind of the, the outcome and what effect that will have on Major League Baseball. I'm going to talk about Kyrie Irving. There's rumors that Kyrie Irving might leave Boston, and I think that's a huge mistake. I wouldn't do that. We're also going to revisit the 2019 quarterback class. I want to start with uh, Kawhi Leonard. I think that's where we should jump in. And uh, really, I think when you ask the question, should the LA Lakers trade for Kawhi Leonard. It honestly makes me think of this. It makes me think of Starbucks. I know that's silly, but hear me out. Whenever I need to go right somewhere, if I need to get some work done, I go to Starbucks. I specifically choose Starbucks, not Pete's Coffee, not literally nowhere else, no small coffee shops. I always choose Starbucks. And the reason why I always go work at Starbucks is no matter what city I'm in. I was in Dallas a couple weeks ago, Dallas, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Bozeman, Montana, Seattle, Portland, doesn't matter. No matter where I'm at, Starbucks gives me the exact same experience every single time. I get the same coffee, and I know I'll have a good working environment. I know I'll have a place with some quiet, soft music, a place to hook up to Wi-Fi, and I can get work done. And the reason why I choose Starbucks every time is because I'm a believer in a sure bet. If I know I'm going to get this experience, I want the guarantee. Why Why trifle? What if I go to a small coffee shop, they have bad Wi-Fi, they don't have coffee, I like that. Why, why worry about that? I like the sure bet. And so when I tell you that I think the Lakers should trade for Kawhi Leonard, here's the reason. It's because Kawhi Leonard is a known commodity. We know what Kawhi Leonard is. And, you know, the Lakers have a bunch of young assets. They have Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, some draft picks down the road. The truth is, I would rather have Kawhi Leonard. I would rather have the known quantity. I know what Kawhi Leonard brings to the table. I don't know what Brandon Ingram may or may not develop into. I don't know about Lonzo Ball. I would, I would keep Kyle Kuzma. That's the one piece I would not trade. Uh, but but I, just, I would choose to have the known commodity of Kawhi Leonard over the potential, uh, all this potential, you know, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball. I want to tell you why I would keep Kyle Kuzma. Kyle Kuzma is the one piece I wouldn't trade. Get rid of Lonzo, that's fine. I think Lonzo is kind of a pain in the butt. He's got family issues, yada, yada. I, I don't really believe in Brandon Ingram. I've been hearing for years, not years, but the kind of the narrative around Brandon Ingram is that Brandon Ingram is the next Kevin Durant. And I don't know that there is a next Kevin Durant. There might be another player similar, and the hope is that Brandon Ingram develops into Kevin Durant. But right now, he's 6'9", a buck 90, and that's just not very encouraging. So I think that 
The truth is Brandon Ingram is years away. I think that Lonzo Ball is a couple of years away from really developing into what he needs to be. And I think Kyle Kuzma right now has the most developed body. I literally physically is the most developed and ready to play now. So I would hang on to Kyle Kuzma. I think down the road, you want to work on that. And I think it's interesting because the next thing we need to talk about is why would the Lakers want to trade for Kawhi rather than just wait for him in free agency? And I think that when you talk about the Lakers, first of all, LeBron James joined and that changed their entire philosophy because it was, it really was build for the future where we've got young stars. We're going to be patient. We're going to build something. And when LeBron James joins, it changes everything. It flips the script. And then you saw what the Warriors did. The Warriors added Boogie Cousins. Now, the Warriors have five all-stars on their team, which effectively means there's zero chance that the Lakers will win a championship next year. The Lakers have no shot to win a championship next season. So why would you push for Kawhi Leonard? Why would you go after it? And it goes honestly back to the sure bet. I know what I'm getting. And I, if you test the waters with Kawhi Leonard, if you let Kawhi Leonard get to free agency, he may not come back. That scares me. There's some reports out there that Kawhi Leonard might sign with the LA Clippers. And that does concern me. I, I would not waste my time. If, if I can get Kawhi Leonard, I want to make sure that happens. Because here's what would really stink. You've already missed out on Paul George. What if you miss out on Kawhi Leonard? Would you rather, two years from now, if you have to give up Brandon Ingram, two years from now, when you have LeBron hopefully pushing for a championship, would you rather have Kawhi Leonard or Brandon Ingram? I would rather have Kawhi Leonard. So I would do everything I can to make sure I can actually have Kawhi Leonard. And I don't know, I, you know, there's, I think Kawhi Leonard is in a, maybe a different situation. I, I don't think you really, I think maybe the better word is he's indifferent. It, it doesn't, he doesn't really care where he goes. He just wants to be in Los Angeles. Clippers, Lakers, it doesn't matter. But I also don't believe that Kawhi Leonard is desperate to team up with LeBron James. You know, it, I really don't think it's worth, if the Lakers aren't sure, they, they should go get him now because it's not worth letting him get to free agency because Kawhi Leonard really might actually pick the, uh, the Clippers over the Lakers. And there's a reason why I don't think Kawhi Leonard is eager to join up with LeBron. And the reason is because he hasn't said he wants to. Look, Kawhi is just saying, I want to be traded to the city of Los Angeles. He hasn't said, I want to be traded to the Lakers. And that, what that th- makes me think of, I remember, you know, a long time ago, I mean, years ago now, but I remember there was a girl I really liked and I said, I liked her and I waited for a response and she said all this stuff, all kinds of things. But the truth is the girl never said she wanted, she liked me back. She said all this other stuff, but it didn't matter. And we never dated, nothing happened. And the truth is, unless someone says they want to be with you, they don't really want to be with you. If the girl had wanted to date me, she would have. And she made all these other excuses and that didn't matter. And the point of this is to say that I think if Kawhi Leonard wanted to be with the Lakers, he would say, I want to be with the Lakers. He says all this other stuff, LA, you know, I don't doesn't means he is not really desperate to be with LeBron James. So that's why the Lakers should trade for Kawhi Leonard. It's not a foregone conclusion. He will sign with them in free agency. And why risk it? Why, why wait for it now? You don't know. I would really, I really honestly would give up Brandon Ingram and, and loans up all even draft picks to go get Kawhi Leonard. I want the sure bet. I know Kawhi Leonard is a superstar right now. I don't know if Lonzo Ball is going to develop into a superstar. I don't know if Brandon Ingram is really going to develop into a Kevin Durant-like player. But I know how good Kawhi Leonard is, and I want the sure bet. And I, I'm not going to let the water, the, him test the waters of free agency, because what if he decides to go to the Clippers or somewhere else? 
the sure bet is to trade for Kawhi Leonard. That is how you can guarantee you will have Kawhi Leonard on your roster. I think once he's already with the Lakers, he, he'll probably resign because you can give him a max contract. He's going to stay, yada, yada. He doesn't care. He wants to be in LA. And I don't think he would mind being LeBron James, but he's not desperate to be with LeBron James. And again, I just don't think it's worth, look, we don't really know what Lonzo is going to develop into. We don't really know what Brandon Ingram is going to develop into. There's hope. I don't say we as an, I'm not a Lakers fan, but I mean, if we're a fan of basketball, nobody really knows how good Brandon Ingram is going to be. There's hope, but he's only 20 years old. He's younger than me and I'm a baby. So I, we'll find out. I, right now, he's very much untested. And the last point I will make is I would hang on to Kyle Kuzma. Between Lonzo, Brandon Ingram, and Kyle Kuzma, I don't know that Kyle Kuzma has the highest ceiling, right? Brandon Ingram, 10 years from now, might be a better star than Kyle Kuzma, straight up. He, might, he, he has maybe a better skill set. But currently, who can contribute the most for a team that has LeBron pushing for a championship? I think the player that can contribute the most right now is Kyle Kuzma. Again, I like a sure bet. I think Kyle Kuzma has the best body, is the, the most prepared physically to play in the NBA. That's the guy I would not get rid of as Kyle Kuzma. You know, it's, I think it's interesting. You know, I, there's a narrative going around right now that Kawhi Leonard is not a great person. People are saying you know, there, there's, there's a narrative out there that Kawhi Leonard might be a diva. And people are very critical of him right now. I saw, I can't remember who it was. Somebody on ESPN yesterday was really critical of Kawhi. I'm tired of Kawhi. And the city of San Antonio is tired of Kawhi. And I understand it. But I, I don't think Kawhi Leonard is a bad person. And I don't think he's a diva. I really don't. I think, honestly, Kawhi Leonard is, was in a lose-lose situation. You know, Kawhi Leonard, my opinion, this is all opinion, speculation, maybe even, but I think that Kawhi Leonard honestly wanted to leave the Spurs on quietly. He didn't want to make a big scene. He said, hey, I want to go to LA. Can you trade me to LA? And they didn't. I was at a, I was at a dinner party last night and I was uh, hanging out with a guy who's a drummer. And one of his, uh, a guy he's in his band, he's, his, one of the guys he knows is a guitarist. And this guitarist tried out for a band that wasn't very good. And so they jammed, they jammed together once, they played some music, and uh, it wasn't working out. And so when the guy said, hey, I, end of the night comes, and the guy's like, you want to come back? Do you want to jam with us again? And the guitarist was very polite, said, not really, I don't really want to be with you guys. Um, he said, yeah, I'm busy, schedule, yada, yada. And the, the band kept pushing, kept pushing, kept pushing. And eventually the, the guitarist said, okay, fine, you guys suck. I don't want to play with you guys. But it only was when he was pushed that he got that way. I think Kawhi Leonard's situation is very similar. Look, Kawhi Leonard had a, it was a lose-lose situation. Kawhi Leonard wanted to be quiet. I really do think, I think he wanted to just say, hey, I want to leave. I don't want to cause trouble. Just get me out of San Antonio. San Antonio didn't like that. And so either way, when you ask for a trade, you're immediately the bad guy. It doesn't matter if Kawhi Leonard came out and said awful bad stuff. They're doing this, 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 this. It doesn't matter. No matter what Kawhi Leonard did, he was a bad guy. Whether he was quiet, if, if he left quietly, if Kawhi Leonard was quiet, humble, didn't cause any problems, doesn't matter whether he was quiet or loud. Kawhi Leonard, the minute he said, I want out of San Antonio, became the permanent bad guy, and there was no way to solve that. There's no way to leave San Antonio on good terms because they want him. Just like that band, there was no way for that guy to walk away from the band on good terms. The fact that he didn't want to be with them said, hey, I don't think you're very good. I don't want to be here. And he was instantly the bad guy. The point is this, you know, when I guess the truth is when someone wants you to join their team, 
and you don't, when you don't want to join someone's team, that team will resent you. So I don't know. I, I really don't think Kawhi Leonard is a bad guy. I, I don't think it is. And so to remind you of something, I want to revisit the Kawhi Leonard timeline. Because this is the list of things. This is how we got here. This is how the, the, the events played out that got us to today. So the first thing you need to know before we get into the timeline is that Kawhi Leonard does not like the way that the Spurs operate. He doesn't like the way their franchise, let's be honest, micromanages their players. He's not a fan of it. You know, the Spurs want to have complete control over Kawhi Leonard in a way like they want to know what his endorsement deals are. They want to know what shoe brand he's signing with. Yada, yada. They want to know everything. The Spurs want to micromanage Kawhi Leonard. They want to control what he says to the media, everything. Kawhi Leonard isn't down for that. He doesn't want that. And so that's the, the kind of prerequisite knowledge you need to have going into this timeline. So the first thing that happened with Kawhi Leonard is that on September 30th, he injured his quad. It was a quadriceps tendinopathy. Tendinopathy. I can't, I'm not a doctor. I don't know. And uh, the truth is, I don't really know what a quad quadriceps tendinopathy is, but I do know that what that did was it made him out of, it made him have to sit out of the NBA preseason. And don't make me say that word again. I, I can't, I'm not a, not a doctor, but so he injures his quad out for the NBA preseason. And when October starts, he's still out. October comes. The, the first game of the season comes. Kawhi Leonard is still out of the lineup. And then on October 8th, another video came out. It was a video of him clearly struggling to walk, struggling to get up the stairs. And you're like, oh, Kawhi Leonard's not in a good situation. So October, September, October, we get into November. November 8th, Kawhi Leonard's uh, head coach, Greg Popovich, the head coach of the Spurs, said that, you know, hey, when the doctor says Kawhi Leonard is ready, he'll be ready. So at this point, the Spurs head coach has said, you know, I trust the doctors. When the doctors say he's ready, he'll be ready. That's, that's pretty good. That makes sense. That's neutral. And if you remember, so still struggling, Kawhi Leonard is still struggling with the quad injury when December 12th comes around. And December 12th is when Kawhi Leonard returned to the Spurs lineup. Um, and he's on a minutes restriction, but he plays really well. He's, he's doing really, really well in the minutes he's given. Less than a month after returning to the Spurs starting lineup, January 5th is when Kawhi Leonard had a partial shoulder tear. Now, look, now his, his quad is messed up and Kawhi Leonard's shoulders messed up. He's pretty banged up at this point of the year. It's only January. And on January 17th, Kawhi Leonard had his final game of the NBA season. So that's right after Kawhi Leonard's last game, January 17th, he goes back onto indefinite leave. He's injured. We don't know how long he'll be out. That is when NBA reporter Adrian Wojnarowski Woj, uh, reports that there are issues and there is a fracture between Kawhi Leonard and the Spurs. This is when the problem started. He got injured. He got injured again. But everyone's still good. The Spurs are like, hey, he'll come back when the doctor says he's ready. But then reports come out, hey, there's friction between Kawhi Leonard and the Spurs. And in February is when Kawhi Leonard goes to New York for the first time to get a doctor's second opinion on his quad injury. But this, right now, this moment is when it really turns up. Because on February 21st, the Spurs, the San Antonio Spurs cleared Kawhi Leonard to play. That's when the medical staff of the Spurs said, hey, Kawhi, you're good to play. And Kawhi Leonard and the Spurs were not on the same page. They did not agree. Greg Popovich said, He'd be surprised if Kawhi Leonard played again this year, but Kawhi Leonard wasn't comfortable playing. The Spurs said, you're good to go. Kawhi Leonard said, no, I'm not. 
Now, March 7th is when Kawhi Leonard, he kind of shuts down all the rumors, said there's not really friction between me and the Spurs. Kawhi Leonard says me and the Spurs are good. And he says, I'll return eventually. Soon is the word he uses, which really means nothing, but that's the truth. Now, March 23rd is the first time the Spurs make a massive misstep. That is when Tony Parker comes out and says that his quad injury was 100 times worse than Kawhi Leonard's. If you remember, Tony Parker had a quad injury in May 2017. And Tony continues to say, you know, I always have trusted the Spurs medical team. I've always said they were the best in the world. I trust the Spurs. So Tony Parker says, I trust the Spurs. Kawhi Leonard at this point does not trust the Spurs. And this is where the riff really begins to show. It's, it's when it really gets bad. Because the Spurs are usually quite tight-lipped. If you know the Spurs and the media don't get along very well, they, they're like the Patriots. They don't say anything. So it's pretty clear that either, because Tony Parker didn't speak, didn't say these words on his own, right? He didn't, he did not say this just as a rogue employee doing whatever he wants. The Spurs don't do that. So either Tony Parker got permission to say this or the Spurs instructed Tony Parker to come out and say this, which that seems more likely to me. So by the end of March, Kawhi Leonard leaves the team. He says, I'm I'm not even going to be with the team the rest of the year. I'm going to go to New York to rehab and go see doc- goes to see doctors there. So this, again, completely contradicts what Tony Parker said. In February, Tony, in March, on March 23rd, Tony Parker, <clears throat> Tony Parker said, I trust the Spurs. I believe in the Spurs. I do what the Spurs believe. At the end of March, Kawhi Leonard said, I'm not doing that. I don't trust the Spurs. I'm going to go to New York to see that, those doctors and do his own thing. And that's when I first remember realizing, oh, Kawhi Leonard really doesn't trust the Spurs. So the playoffs start and Greg Popovich asks, says, if you want to know when Kawhi Leonard is coming back, you need to ask Kawhi Leonard and his group of people. And part of this is the truth. I don't think Kawhi Leonard was really talking to Greg Popovich. I think Popovich had really no idea when Kawhi Leonard would return. Because there are reports that Kawhi Leonard avoided the Spurs medical staff when they came to visit him in New York. But I don't understand what I don't understand about Greg Popovich is why not keep this private? Why say anything about it? He says, you got to talk to those guys. Why? Just keep it private. If you have issues with a player, if I have issues with anybody, I'm not going to come out publicly and talk about it. What I'm going to do is keep it private between the person and I. So the truth is the spy, the Spurs kind of botched this because they kept talking. They kept bringing up more, you know, Monty Ginobili came out and threw him under the, through Kawhi Leonard under the bus publicly. And Greg Popovich has a bunch of weird quotes about LaMarcus Aldridge that felt like he was throwing Kawhi Leonard under the bus. And, and I just, the Spurs are clearly unraveling at this point. And, and really even today, Tony Parker just left for the Spurs. And a year ago, LaMarcus Aldridge said, I want out of San Antonio. And, and, you know, remember Tony Parker was there for 17 years and he chose to sign with the Charlotte Hornets for two years, $10 million, instead of stay in San Antonio. The Spurs are eroding. I don't know how you, you don't feel that way. But if you ask me, the Spurs are completely coming apart at the seams. And so that is why I think the Spurs need to make a trade with the Lakers. I know that everyone says, hey, the Spurs got to trade with somebody back east because they don't want their player to go compete against them. You wouldn't want to trade Kawhi to the Spurs, to the Lakers, I mean and have Kawhi be in your own division competing against you. But the truth is, you can't think that way. You have to get the most you possibly can. The Lakers have the best 
available options to trade for Kawhi Leonard, and they're willing to because they think they can keep Kawhi Leonard on their team. The Spurs are basically in a rebuilding phase, and if they really don't trade Kawhi Leonard, they're making a huge mistake. Again, you can get Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, probably some draft picks. I think that's what the Spurs should do. Take that deal. Get something for Kawhi Leonard and get as much as you possibly can. That's probably the most you possibly can get for Kawhi Leonard. You're not going to get a lot from the the 76ers. You're not going to get a lot from the Celtics. You're not going to get a lot from the Knicks. There's nothing they really have to offer. I think you have to trade Kawhi Leonard to the Lakers and do it really as soon as you can so you can start developing Brandon Ingram on your own and getting them into your system. So, I don't know. I think the Spurs have an opportunity to use Kawhi Leonard as, as a building block. You can trade away Kawhi Leonard, use him as an asset, and get new pieces for the future. That's what the Spurs need to do because their relationship with Kawhi Leonard is done and over. There's not, it's, Honestly, there's not much they can do anymore. And, and What I want to revisit, though, is the thing at the beginning. What I mentioned was that there is a narrative that Kawhi Leonard is a bad teammate. I don't think he is. I think Kawhi Leonard is a quiet guy trying to keep his head down. And the Spurs did not like that he wanted to leave. So the Spurs started talking about him. And I think really... All the shade, everything that makes Kawhi Leonard look bad is, is something he doesn't he doesn't want to deal with. He says, I want out, trade me, and they didn't trade him, so they started talking bad about him. I think in this situation, I don't know that victim is the right word, but I don't think Kawhi Leonard is a diva. He wanted out. The Spurs said, we're not willing to do that. You're the bad guy, and they pointed their fingers. And again, anytime you try to break up with someone, anytime you try to leave, you're the bad guy. That's just what happens. You know, if you break up with a girl, the mom probably doesn't like you. Her dad probably doesn't like you. If you leave San Antonio, San Antonio probably doesn't like you. There's no way around it. So I don't think Kawhi Leonard is a diva, and I hope that was interesting. I don't know. I, I, I wasn't really sure. I, I'm in the middle of that whole list, and I'm like, I hope it's interesting. I don't really know. Um, but I do think it's important to revisit the timeline because you need to educate yourself. You need to understand how did we get here? And a lot of people don't seem to understand all the facts. They say all the stuff, but... They don't, they're talking at it. They're, they're blowing smoke. They don't really know what they're talking about. That is what actually happened in the last you know, year, year and a half that got us to this point right now where Kawhi Leonard wants to lead the Spurs and the Spurs are unwilling to get rid of Kawhi Leonard. <clears throat> All right, I want to talk about Trey Young. I'm going to drink some water first. Go, uh, go Grizzlies. I think that's what they're on. I don't know. I'm not going for sports. I don't care. It's a Division One small team. I don't know. I'm going to Montana. It's going to be fun. Um, <clears throat> first off, I got to say, before we get into Trey Young, remember, you can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on YouTube. You can find the show everywhere. You can find other podcasts. You can find the full entire hour-long podcast on YouTube, as well as my best, most interesting clips. You know, if you like Strong Opinion Sports as much as I do, you can help this podcast grow by telling your friends about the show. All right. So Trey Young, a lot of people have called Trey Young, uh, people have said about Trey Young, you know, people talk about Trey Young and they say, Trey Young is the next Steph Curry. Oh, whoa, 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 pump your brakes. I don't, I don't think that's true. But, but I do want to talk about this because everyone said before the draft and before, you know, about a week ago, everyone said, Trey Young is the next big thing. All my friends were so excited about him. And now everybody's bailing on Trey Young, saying Trey Young sucks. I don't want to deal with him, and I don't understand that either. I think there's just a, a culture of overreaction in this country, and people are 
They're so quick to judge. No one wants to take in any information. No one has any patience. And so I want to really in-depth discuss Trey Young. So Trey Young, to this point, he plays again tonight. But to this point, he's only played three summer league games. He's made his technically his professional foot basketball debut. And I want to talk about it. So in the first three games for Trey Young, he is only combined three for 24 shooting three-pointers. Now, if you watch Trey Young in college, you know his thing was, I can hit really deep threes consistently. I mean, they, they, again, they called him the young Steph Curry. He was hitting shots from really, really deep range early in the shot clock, didn't care, doing his own thing. And so if you look at the first three games against the Grizzlies, he had 16 points, was only four for 20 shooting. That's only 20% shooting and was one for 11 from three-point range. That's only 9%. Against the Spurs, he was even worse. He was, I guess not worse, he had 12 points, but he was 5 for 16, shot 31%, but he was only 1 for 5 from 3-point range. And again, against the Jazz earlier this week, 10 points, 3 for 10, only shooting 18%, and 1 for 8 from 3-point range. Trey Young has not hit more than one 3-pointer in any game so far in the Summer League. And everybody's ready to bail. Everybody's freaking out. Trey Young, oh, he's not the next Steph Curry. He can't even hit threes in professional basketball. Relax. I just think you're overreacting. So I've never bought into the hype that Trey Young is the next Steph Curry because I simply don't believe there is a next Steph Curry. That's, that's ridiculous. There's no next Steph Curry. There's no next Michael Jordan. There's no next LeBron James. There's no next Tom Brady. There's never going to be another Michael Jackson. When you get an iconic person like that, you simply can't recreate that. But it doesn't mean Trey Young couldn't be a good basketball player in this league. And it doesn't mean he couldn't hit really deep threes consistently because we saw that in college. I think the truth is people just aren't being patient with Trey Young. You know, if you look at, if you watched Trey Young at all in college, you know he broke a ton of records. He has a Big 12 single season scoring record. Yes, and he was only a rookie. He's the only person in the Big 12 history to score more than 800 points in a basketball season. He's the NCAA single game assist record. He has basically every single Oklahoma scoring record. But again, three games into the NBA Summer League, everybody bails on him. Nobody believes in him. And I think that's silly, man. I don't understand. I understand that he's concerning. I know it's not great. He's three for 24 professionally shooting three-pointers. That's not a good stat. But you think he can't fix it? You think he can't improve? I want to talk about, you know, I've been watching The Office recently and you know, not really, not every episode, but I've been picking a couple episodes I love. I was revisiting The Office. Did you know they almost canceled the U.S. version of The Office after one season? Somebody wasn't patient. People were so ready to jump and it's become one of the best, most popular sitcoms in years. And I think we need to just practice some patience with Trey Young. You know, I, I watched Trey Young. Trey Young is way too small. He's getting pushed around physically. He's just getting obliterated against the Jazz. Gar Grayson, uh, whatever his name is, Grace, I can't remember. Grayson Allen pushed around Trey Young. It didn't look good. And you see everybody's guarding Trey Young really close, not letting him shoot threes from outside the arc. They're not, they're just playing him really physically, and he's he's not looking good because he's so small. He's underdeveloped. You know, the reason why I think Trey Young has been settling for shots and on it, frankly, really bad shots in the NBA is because he can't get any kind of penetration. He cannot score inside because he's too small. He's 19 years old. He's not a big kid. And I think you just need to give him time. I mean, I understand. Look, the reason why the Hawks acquired Trey Young is because they know he's legendary. He's got this 
track record of making outrageous, ridiculous three-pointers. But it doesn't mean he can't do that more. You just got to give him patience. Again, this is a 19-year-old kid. Here's what I really don't understand, though. Everybody that said, you know, all my, I have really good friends that were like, you got to realize Trey Young is the next Steph Curry. And I was always like, eh. But if you believed that two weeks ago, you should probably still believe that now. Remember, it took a while for Steph Curry to develop. Steph Curry was not perfect out of the box. It took him time. I remember a time years ago when the Warriors had both Steph Curry and Monte Ellis. And Warriors fans actually believed that the Warriors should develop and choose to commit to Monte Ellis rather than Steph Curry. (laughs) Steph Curry might be the best shooter of all time, and they almost passed on him. So I'm not saying that Trey Young is the next Steph Curry. I don't think he is. I don't think anybody is. But I think Trey Young could develop into a good player. You just need to have patience. I don't understand why people are so quick to jump. I mean, look. Trey Young is 19 years old. He needs to hit the gym. He needs to get bigger. He needs to become a more physically imposing player. Not a lot, but he can't score inside at all right now because he's simply too weak. He's too feeble. And you just got to give Trey Young time. I'm going to give it three years. In three years, then we can actually judge what Trey Young has become. But right now, he's a 19-year-old kid, and he's he's playing with other people his age right now. He's about to be playing with grown men that are 27, 28, 32, at a 19-year-old scruffy small kid, give Trey Young time to develop. I'm not a big Trey Young fan. I'm really not. I don't think he's the next Steph Curry. But I do think he could develop into a reasonably good basketball player if you just allow him time to develop. So we'll revisit Trey Young in three years. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna judge Trey Young truly until three years have been up, because I'm just gonna give him time to develop. I'll watch the story. It'll be fun to see if he does slowly progress, but until three years are up, don't give me an absolute Trey Young sucks. I, I don't want to hear it. I don't believe it. You got to give Trey Young time. He's a young kid who needs to develop quite a lot. And he just might. So I don't know. Relax. Stop being so panicky about Trey Young. It, not everything is the end of the world. And I think that's kind of what I've seen is, you know, Trey Young has three bad games and people are ready to jump off a cliff and you know throw him away forever. So I, I just don't think it's true. Give Trey Young time and be patient with this kid. Um, here's an interesting story. Uh, it's, I don't normally talk about baseball. I just don't think baseball is that interesting until the playoffs start. There's so many, you play a game every single day and I, I I can't honestly even keep up. I just don't care enough. You know, there's in in football, there's a weekly story in, in basketball. There's a couple weekly stories in baseball. There's a new story every single day to follow. I just can't keep up. I don't care. But right now, there are rumors that there might be a Major League Baseball team moving to Portland. And there's a, you know, Russell Wilson and his wife, Ciara, are part of a group that want to fund the program and the project to bring baseball to Portland. And there's a rumor they're going to put a baseball stadium in downtown Portland, right by where the Blazers play. And I want to tell you why I'm a big fan of this solution. There is a reason why I want this. It will solve all kinds of travel issues in Major League Baseball. That's the biggest reason. Because currently, Texas is considered a Western team right now. There, there's only three. There's East, Central, and West. And right now, Texas, there's so few teams in the West that Texas is considered a Western conference team. 
the Mariners go play divisional games in Houston. And vice versa, Houston has to fly often to LA, to Oakland, to Seattle. That's ridiculous. That should not be a divisional game for Houston. And the West is so spread out. If you look at how, which teams travel the most in baseball, the Western Conference teams always travel more than Eastern Conference teams who are more condensed. And then you have teams like Florida, Texas, who travel the second most. But I just think it's ridiculous. I want to solve the problem. And I, I think there's a couple options for Portland. So it may not be an expansion team. We might see either the Oakland A's or the Tampa Bay Rays move to Portland because they're having stadium issues. Right now, Tampa Bay wants a new stadium and needs a new stadium. And the Oakland A's are trying to figure out their situation with their stadium. I really hope that the Oakland A's don't move to Portland. Not because I don't, I wouldn't be happy to have them. I'm a Portland guy. I think it'd be fun to sit on the river and drink a beer uh, and, and enjoy a baseball game. I hope there's a cover because it rains all the time here. But I would like that. I would enjoy that. But I think there's a, A, there's a, such a big fan base in Oakland of people at least that follow my channel that talk about, I'm an A's fan. I hope they stay. But the other thing is this. Again, there's so few teams on the West Coast. I would rather them either move the Tampa Bay Rays here or just expand and have a new team join baseball so we can have a team in Portland. Because that's the other option. So either move the Rays or the A's or have an expansion team come to baseball. Personally, I hope that Major League Baseball adds two teams to the Major Leagues. I want two more teams in baseball because what that would do is give you 32 teams, 32 teams, and you would be able to divide up baseball divisionally the same way you divide up the NFL. East, West, North, South. That is so much more practical for travel. That is better. But there's a catch to that. Again, the catch is that Rob Manfred, the Major League Baseball commissioner, does not want to add expansion teams until he can solve the Oakland A's and Tampa Bay Rays stadium problem. <clears throat> so I don't know. I, I hope the A's stay. I like that. I like their fan base. I like that they're another West Coast team. And if anybody moves to Portland, I hope it's the Tampa Bay Rays. Because, I, again, I think there should be more teams out West. Well, the truth is, I really sincerely hope that Major League Baseball adds two more teams. I think it would work out better for the divisions. I think it would make more sense. Again, I, I just don't think it makes sense for, you know, you to be flying from Houston all the way to Seattle for a divisional game. That just doesn't work. So, again, as a, a Portland guy, I hope you get a baseball team. I want to sit on at a stadium. I want to drink a beer and watch some baseball. But the other thing is, honestly, that it's just better if you're an Angels fan, if you're an Oakland A's fan, if you're a Texas fan, if you're a Seattle Mariners fan, adding a team to Portland would really help your team travel less. Again, I repeat, the Midwest and East Coast teams don't travel very much because they're so condensed. The West Coast and the MLB is so spread out. I mean, there's the Seattle Mariners are the most isolated stadium in Major League Baseball. There's no stadium... It's the most isolated team, basically, in Major League Baseball. They travel more than almost anybody. The A's, the Angels, and the Mariners travel more than any other team in baseball. So adding a team to Portland would help, A, reshuffle and kind of fix the alignment of baseball so you'd have less traveling. And again, you'd be traveling less because there'd be another team closer to the Mariners. So if you're a West Coast person, or if you're a Florida fan, if you're a Texas fan, you're rooting for conference realignment. Because travel's a real deal in baseball. You play every single day. I could play tomorrow in New York and have to fly back to LA for a game the next day. That's a lot of travel. That stinks. You don't want to do that. And so 
the more, in my opinion, the more West Coast teams, the better to even out the distrib- distribution of baseball teams in America. My opinion, just me. Um, but, you know, I just, I don't know. I think travel matters. And I, I'm, I'm very curious. The storyline I want to follow. Because, it, A, it's cool to have a baseball team. But I think conference realignment, I think having less travel, that is the real key to adding a team in Portland. That is why I'm interested in a baseball team joining Portland. I've not heard that take anywhere else. I've heard people that are fanning out. Oh, I can't wait to have a team in Portland. No, it's just better for baseball to have better conference alignment and have better balance throughout America of where teams are located. So my opinion, but I'm excited for that. That's my niche. That's my that's my little take on having a team in Portland is it will benefit travel and it will benefit the distribution of teams in Major League Baseball. Okay. First, drink some water, obviously. I want to talk about Kyrie Irving. <clears throat> you know, there are there are two rumors about Kyrie Irving that I really don't understand. Not just rumors, they're reports. Multiple people are reporting this. The first report I've read is that Kyrie Irving does did not want LeBron James to come to Cleveland. So back a long time ago, LeBron James was down south in Miami and Kyrie Irving was in Cleveland, Ohio, playing for the, you know, Cleveland Cavaliers. And it's reported that Kyrie Irving at the time, did not want LeBron James to come join him. I don't understand that. I'll get to that in a minute. The other rumor I'm hearing is that now Kyrie Irving might leave the Boston Celtics to go to the New York Knicks. Both of those stories baffle me. I don't really understand. And honestly, I'm troubling. I'm having trouble understanding Kyrie Irving. I, like, I don't get it. I don't get this guy at all. I, I will say this, you know, leaving LeBron James when he did, demanding a trade away from LeBron James, going to the Celtics... In hindsight, that seems like it was the right thing to do for Kyrie Irving. I'll give him that. Like, hey, it worked out because LeBron James left the Cavaliers and the Cavaliers instantly fell apart. They were a mess overnight. And and I get it. Kyrie Irving wanted to control his own destiny. I respect that. I understand. You don't want your destiny to be in the hands of LeBron James, where if LeBron James does something, it can affect your career and it would really suck. So Kyrie Irving got a good team in Boston. He controls his own destiny. It makes sense to me. What I don't understand is why would Kyrie not want to play with LeBron before LeBron came to Cleveland? I I don't get it. Like before LeBron James came to Cleveland, Kyrie Irving didn't want to play with him? What? And now there's reports that Kyrie Irving might want to leave the Boston Celtics. I don't understand that either. Does this guy not understand the value of working with good people? Does he not appreciate teammates? Does he not care about having a good organization? That's what I don't understand. Because, like, I understand mobility. I'm all for moving up. I'm all for if you hate your job, go get a better job. If you don't like the people you work with, go find a better team of people to work with. If you hate your boss, go find better management somewhere else. I understand upward mobility. But Kyrie Irving doesn't seem to understand that. Kyrie Irving wants to leave a really good situation in the Boston Celtics, and he might join the New York Knicks. He didn't want to play with LeBron James, have better teammates. That doesn't make sense to me. I would never leave, if I'm Kyrie Irving, I'm not leaving the Boston Celtics for anything. You have a great general manager, Danny Ainge. You have maybe the best coach in the NBA, Brad Stevens. And you have a really great supporting cast around you with really good teammates. Good management, good people to work with, good teammates. Legendary city, Boston. Legendary organization, the Boston Celtics. What else do you want? Why would Kyrie Irving go to New York? That's what I simply don't understand. 
I, I get it. I understand. There's one. There's one reason why Kyrie Irving might want to do this. He grew up in New Jersey near New York. Okay, great. Go join the quote hometown team. But I think that's overrated. And, and now there's rumors that you know Jimmy Butler could also go to the Knicks, and so you could have a somewhat of a super team in the Knicks. But I, I would not leave the Boston Celtics for a potential team up with Jimmy Butler in the Knicks. That doesn't make sense to me. Here's what the Knicks have. The New York Knicks have James Dolan. Bad ownership. An owner I don't respect. An owner I don't like. I, I wouldn't go to the Knicks simply for that reason alone. I don't want a boss who stinks. That's what the Knicks have. The other thing is this. Okay, so the Knicks would have three stars if Jimmy Butler came as well. The Knicks could have Kristaps Porzingis, Jimmy Butler, and Kyrie Irving. So great. You'd have bad management and a couple stars. Here's what the Boston Celtics have. The Boston Celtics have a great coach. Good ownership. Gordon Hayward, Jason Tatum, Al Horford, Jalen Brown. Plus, they'd have Kyrie Irving. A bunch of stars. A good general manager. A good ownership group. A good head coach. What more do you want? Why would Kyrie Irving even entertain the idea of going to the New York Knicks rather than staying with the Boston Celtics? Going home is overrated. Staying home is overrated. I, I don't get it. I don't. I, I know there's it's sentimental value. You love your hometown. I'm from Vancouver, Washington. It's home to me. Uh, newsflash, I'm going to Montana. And I think so many people have to leave their hometowns for opportunity. Most people don't. I know people that have never left. They still work at Fred Meyer. They never left the hometown grocery store. That's what scares me. So I think going home is overrated. And I, I don't understand why you'd leave a good situation. Good teammates, good management, good life. I don't get it. I would take a pay cut so I could stay with the Boston Celtics if I was Kyrie Irving. You have a chance to win a lot. You have a chance to be happy. And working with good people is so underrated. I just, you know, I've been working this summer at a car place. And since I worked there two years ago and I worked there again, they got a new manager in that time. And with the new manager, it is so much better. It's better run, better operated. There is such a meaningful thing. There's, it, it means a lot to have a good management group with good people around you. That makes all the difference. So if I'm Kyrie Irving, there is no way I would leave the Boston Celtics to go to the New York Knicks. Okay, let's talk about Carmelo Anthony. So first I've heard reports that Oklahoma City and Carmelo Anthony are going to part ways this offseason. The, the Thunder are done with Carmelo Anthony. Fine, that makes sense to me. I get it. But then I'm hearing reports from Agent Wojnowski or Woj that he believes Carmelo Anthony will sign a veteran minimum with a playoff contender. What? That doesn't make sense to me at all. And it gets even weirder. So the favorites, the three teams that are favorites to sign Carmelo Anthony are the Houston Rockets, the LA Lakers, and the Portland Trailblazers. That makes no sense to me. I don't understand that. I don't understand why a team in contention would want to sign Carmelo Anthony. You know who Carmelo Anthony reminds me of? Carmelo Anthony reminds me of Terrell Owens. He's old, he's a diva, and he doesn't have a lot to offer. I don't want to work with him. If I'm going to sign a marginal player, I'm going to sign a marginal player that's less of a problem off the court. Who doesn't have as much baggage. You know, look at Carmelo Anthony last season. Carmelo Anthony had 15 points a game. That's meager. It's fine. It's not bad. It's definitely not bad. And he shot 40%. So, look, Carmelo Anthony isn't completely washed up. He's not trash. 
But you can find those numbers in another player that's got less baggage, who's in better shape, who's not as old, who's not been in the league 16 years and not really had any playoff success. I mean, I, I just, I would pass on Carmelo Anthony and I would do a hard pass. I think the only teams that should entertain the idea of signing Carmelo Anthony are teams that have no shot to make the playoffs. Because then you just want to be interesting and Carmelo Anthony can be your star. If I'm the Nets, if I'm if I'm a team that isn't in contention, that's not going to do very well. And then I would sign Carmelo Anthony. But a team like the Blazers, a team like the Rockets, why would you risk? There's no reward there. You get a diva. You get a guy who doesn't bring a lot off the court, on the court, I mean. And you have all this hassle. He's old. He's a diva. He's kind of washed up. There's no way in my right mind that I would sign Carmelo Anthony to my team, especially not if my team was in contention, especially if my team had a chance to do anything in the playoffs next year. I'm not bringing Carmelo Anthony into my locker room. I don't want to deal with it. I would stay far, far away from Carmelo Anthony in NBA free agency. Nope. I'm good. I'll pass. Okay. Water first. Always water. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, I'm, I'm really not a fan of the 2019 quarterback class. Like, not at all. And I'm not the only person. Read reports that's out there. NBA scouts aren't very fond of it. And I really, I want to revisit it because, you know, I, I, I want to put more thought in it. I did it the other day and I want to put more thought into it. I want to clean it up a little bit. Because anytime you say anything about quarterbacks, especially if you don't say something really positive, you get pushback. You get a lot of feedback. And I got a lot of feedback the other day, so I'm going to do it even better than I did the other day. So again, I repeat, I'm not a big fan of the 2019 quarterback class. I don't think it's very good. I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to mention some of the players that are being mentioned, tell you who I do like and who could potentially be an okay player. And there are some guys I'm really not excited about that I don't believe in. So um, I, I think first we should start with Drew Locke. Uh, Drew Locke is a quarterback at Mizzou. He's a, he's a really big kid, really strong arm, one of the stronger arms in college football next year. I'm interested in Drew Locke. I want to watch Drew Locke. He could turn into something I really like. So we have Drew Locke from Mizzou. You have Will Greer from West Virginia. Will Greer is doesn't have a lot of playing time. But I do like some of the flashes he's shown. Pay attention to Drew Locke. And the other one, there's two more. Jarrett Stidham from Auburn. I like Jarrett Stidham. I don't think he's great. I think he's really inconsistent. But he's okay. He's worth paying attention to. And then Justin Herbert, the 6'6 quarterback from Oregon. 6'6", 230. I've met him a couple times. He's from my home state. Really nice guy. Great work ethic. Uh, he's got prototypical skill set. He's a big guy. Can run a little bit. Can move. Really good arm. Kind of like a poor man Sam Darnold, honestly. And he's a junior. So the, the key was uh, both Drew Locke and Justin Herbert. So Justin Herbert's going to be a junior. And if it looks like he could be the number one overall pick, he might leave. If he's not, I would stay because I think Justin Herbert has a long way to go. So these are my four quarterbacks I like. Drew Locke, Will Greer, Jarrett Stidham, and Justin Herbert. Those four guys I think are not bad. I don't love them though. I don't think they're franchise quarterbacks. I think they're potential prospects to pay attention to. There's only four quarterbacks I really like for next year's draft class. It's those four. Those are the four I'm going to pay attention to. Everybody else, I could care less. And I'm going to talk about those guys next. The first one I'm hearing about is Shea Patterson. Shea Patterson is a quarterback at Michigan. 
I think Shea Patterson is going to be very, very successful at Michigan. I honestly think Shea Patterson could be the difference between Michigan having some success and Michigan winning a national championship. I, I think that highly of Shea Patterson. He's a really good college quarterback. Really good college quarterback. He's a great guy. He doesn't have NFL arm strength. He doesn't have NFL accuracy. And he honestly has a lot of Johnny Manziel comparisons. Johnny Manziel was great in college, but in the reality of professional football, Johnny Manziel is basically irrelevant. He doesn't matter. And I think Shea Patterson is very similar where it's, he's a, a weaker armed quarterback who can run around a little bit, but he's not real accurate. I don't love his throwing motion. I don't really like, I've watched him throw. I don't, I'm really not in love with the way he throws the ball. And so I'm not a big fan of Shea Patterson. The other guy, again, there's a couple guys that are just, just not great. I mean, that's, I gave you everybody that those are the top five quarterbacks everybody's talking about. There are other names I'm being told to pay attention to, like Brian Lewerke from Michigan State. I, I don't care. Clay Th- uh, Thorson from Northwestern. Eh, I just, I don't know who that is. I don't really, I'm not very interested in him. I, I think Brian Lewerke, I don't know much about Clay Thorson. I'm not very educated on him. I know Brian Lewerke. I don't think he's very good. I watched him play against Washington State last year. Not a fan. Ryan Finley from NC State, I know very little about, but I know that he's mentioned on some t- in some top 10s, but not others, and that's concerning. And that's what's kind of weird to me, is if you look at the top 10 lists for the 2019 draft class, you're getting so many different names. And what that tells me, there's not a lot of clarity. Beyond the top five, beyond, again, Herbert, Drew Locke, Will Greer, Jarrett Stidham, and Shea Patterson, beyond those five, all the other names are completely almost random. And that's weird to me. Why is there not a consistent top 10? Why is there not a clear, a couple names that are really worth paying attention to? Everybody else, if you're not in the top five, I don't care about you. Like Brett Rippon, Brett Rippon from Boise State. He's struggled to be the full-time starter at Boise State. He's got a weak arm. I don't believe in him. Jake Browning, the quarterback from UW. He's a weird guy. I have friends at UW. They know him. They've met him. Jake Browning's a weird guy. He does weird people skills. And he's not a great quarterback. He's a good quarterback. He's a solid quarterback in college. But he doesn't have NFL arm strength. And I'm, I'm not a real believer in Jake Browning. I don't think he has it. Arizona's Khalil Tate. Someone mentioned that in the comments. Khalil Tate isn't even eligible until the 2020 NFL draft. So forget about Khalil Tate. He might actually win the Heisman. But I don't think you know, he has Kevin Sumlin next year. I think that's exciting. It's going to be fun to watch Khalil Tate. But Khalil Tate won't be in the NFL draft. And there's some other names that are even more concerning. There's, there's two names I keep seeing in top 10s when you, talk, when you look up, you know, 2019 QB class top 10s. There's a couple names I, I just don't like at all. The first one is Nick Fitzgerald. Nick Fitzgerald is the quarterback at Mississippi State. He's a run first quarterback. His strength is running, not throwing. How many times has that guy succeeded in the NFL? Remember Tim Tebow? Yeah, it doesn't work. I'm not a big fan of Nick Fitzgerald. He's, it seems like a nice kid. I'm not trashing the guy, but he's not an NFL quarterback. He might be a better tight end than he would be an actual quarterback. So I'm not a big believer of Nick Fitzgerald. There's another name that's concerning, and it's not concerning because I don't believe in the guy. It's concerning for this reason. People are talking about Jacob Eason jumping into the 2019 draft class. I think Jacob Eason is going to be a great, great NFL quarterback in 2021 NFL draft class. Right now, Jacob Eason has to sit out a year. He can't even play at UW because he transferred. Jake Browning's going to be the starter at UW. 
The fact that people are bringing up Jacob Eason's name for the 2019 NFL draft class is just proof of how bad next year's draft class is. No knock on Jacob Eason. Jacob Eason's going to be a great quarterback. Huge arm. Smart guy. Good work ethic. I like him. I believe in him. But he's not even going to play this year, and he keeps being brought up on top 10 draft lists. That is a problem. And in fact, they even mention, it's not like people that make the lists aren't aware. They write, he's ineligible to play, but he might be one of the better quarterbacks in the draft class. That is how bad the draft class is. There's just not a lot of talent. It's concerning, man. Again, pay attention to the, the four guys worth paying attention to. Drew Locke, Jarris Didham, Will Greer, and Justin Herbert. Maybe one of them will develop into something more. But the truth is, the 2019 draft class just doesn't have very much. There's not a lot of great, quote, franchise quarterbacks. And honestly, the 2019 NFL draft class for quarterbacks reminds me of the 2007 NFL draft class, where there was 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 quarterbacks drafted, and none of them were a franchise quarterback. You know, someone, someone mentioned in the comments, by the way, someone put in a comment that, you know, the 2013 draft class was worse than the 2007 draft class. No, they weren't. 2013 wasn't great, but let me read you some names. Geno Smith, EJ Manuel, Mike Glennon, Matt Barkley, Landry Jones. None of those are great quarterbacks, but at least they're in the league. At least they're backups that contribute to teams. Here's how bad the 2007 draft class was. Jamarcus Russell, Kevin Cobb, Brady Quinn, John Beck, here may, might be the two best, is Drew Stanton and Trent Edwards. That's pathetic. Drew Stanton is 20 touchdowns and 24 interceptions in his NFL career. He might be the best quarterback from the 2007 draft class. That's terrible. Isaiah Stanback was drafted. Jeff Rowe, Troy Smith, Tyler Thigpen, and Jordan Palmer. Jordan Palmer might have the most impact from the 2007 draft class because he trains the young rookie quarterbacks now. He trained Sam Darnold. He trained Josh Allen. But honestly, man, I, I think that the 2019 draft class, to put our focus back on that, is really in trouble. It's not a great draft class. There's only four guys even worth paying attention to. And those guys have very significant flaws. So I'm not a big fan. I think somewhere between the 2007 draft class and the 2013 draft class, somewhere between terrible and not great is where terrible and pretty bad, about terrible and pretty bad, that's where the 2019 draft class will fall. There might not be a single franchise quarterback in next year's draft class. So if you're the Giants, if you're the Buccaneers, if you're looking for a quarterback next year, buy or beware. It's not a good year for quarterbacks. It's very concerning. It's a story worth following. Look, I'm not rooting against any of these guys. I'm excited to watch them. I'm excited to see how they develop. But the honest truth is, you ask for my honesty. That's I can't lie to you. I want to tell you exactly how I feel. And I'm very nervous about the 2019 NFL draft quarterback class. It's not looking very good. So I'll pay attention, man. Again, watch watch Drew Locke, watch Will Greer, watch Justin Herbert, watch Jarrett Stidham from Auburn. Those four quarterbacks are worth paying attention to this year in college football. And I think Khalil Tate will win the Heisman. But other than that, it's not good. And Khalil Tate isn't eligible for the 20 till the 2020 NFL draft class. So it's very concerning. 2019's NFL draft class is really not good. I think a really bad quarterback, a quarterback that's not ready to play and won't be ready to play for a while, will be the number one pick. And Josh Allen was the guy I was really concerned about. Between Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Josh Rosen, Baker Mayfield, or Sam Darnold, 
any one of those quarterbacks would easily be the best quarterback in next year's draft class. No questions about it. Lamar Jackson would have been the number one overall pick if he was a 2019 quarterback. That's the honest truth. That is how concerning the 2019 NFL draft class is for quarterbacks. All right. That's all I have, guys. Thank you so much. I, I really appreciate it. I love doing this show. I'm very careful because there's not a lot of news stories right now. This is the honest truth. Radio hosts are taking all kinds of time off. I don't want to waste your time. I only want to talk about topics that are interesting and honestly worth your time. So I do about two a week right now. I'm not doing three a week. Two podcasts a week. I'm going to do the very best of the best. Not going to waste your time. Only talk about stories that are relevant and matter. I think I did a good job with that today. I hope it was interesting for you guys. I'm excited. You know, show me some love on uh, Instagram, especially. Got into Montana State University. I'm so excited. And, uh, you know, I it'll be interesting and fun to leave Portland. So thank you so much for listening. Remember, you can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. You can find the full entire hour-long podcast on YouTube, as well as my best, most interesting clips. If you like Strong Opinion Sports as much as I do, Help me grow this podcast by telling your friends about this show. My name is Zach Schaumler. Thank you so much. That is all I have for today. I will be back next week, probably Tuesday or Wednesday. Likely Wednesday. I'll, I'll prep it and get it out Tuesday. So look for another podcast next week on Wednesday. Thank you so much. My name is Zach Schaumler. Bum-bum. Have a great day. And bum-bum. Bam. We are done. Bye.